Welcome back to Burning the Village, a youth-led project aiming to use young people's stories during the pandemic to inform and influence policy. Using a mixture of interviews and conversations, each episode focuses on a particular theme. In this episode, we'll be discussing social media and comparison culture. Have you ever found yourself comparing your accomplishments or travel dreams to Instagram posts? I'm Sneha, content creator and solo traveller, and your host for today's conversation. My first guest is Sanusia, creative writer and unfiltered blogger. Hey Sanusia. Hi Sneha. So tell us about a time you felt you were compared to others by your family members. Hmm, I have I have many stories to tell about that, but the mm-hmm. key ones was when I decided to go to university and study film and television because all of my cousins, all my family members, the kids studied law, they studied their doctors and their engineers. So my dad believed that I was going to study law because apparently I would have made a great lawyer, which I agree. I just don't want to study for seven years or until I'm <laughs> 50. No. So I decided I was going to study film and television production and my parents did not like that. My dad did not like that idea, but I decided to go and study it anyway. The comparison heavily came in when after a year I decided to drop out of university and you don't drop out of university in an African household. That is just unheard of. You don't do that. Why is that so ridiculous? Tell us some more. Listen, when you are born, (laughs) here's how it works. You are born to go to school, you go to university, you get a degree. If you're a woman, it's very important. You need to get married, have kids, and that's it. Now you cannot skip university. Right. That is key. You need to get, get there. And I think it's because our parents believed the way their era was structured. You do have to go to university. You need to get a good university degree for you to actually get good jobs but that is not how our environment is now you don't need those university degrees so my parents were very disappointed when I dropped out of university because I did not tell them oh so so that's one part of why it made it so difficult but I guess that is a shocking statement to tell any parent these days but how was your experience specifically when you did that it is a very shocking (laughs) thing to tell your parent but the reason I hit it was I had started hinting that I did not like university so within my first term I knew that it was not for me so I did not like the course I did not like how it was structured and I kept hinting hmm I don't think I'm gonna do this and I remember my mom clearly said that university you're going to stay there and you're going to get that degree and for me I took that more as a challenge now because now you're telling me what I must do so the rebel in me was just like uh, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. So oh. I hid that from her and I eventually had to tell her because results, <laughs> time was coming around and I had to let them know that there was no results to be expected for me. That must have been a very difficult conversation for you to have. What part of actually telling your family that you were dropping out did lead to you being compared to others? So it was the entire conversation. So just them right. finding out that I dropped out. So after letting them know that I dropped out of university... It then became a very emotionally abusive and toxic environment where I would literally wake up in the morning to my mom screaming the house down 
about how useless I am and how much I have embarrassed the entire family because I have decided just not to continue university. So now I am a disgrace. I have never done anything good in life. And that made me spiral into a three-year-long depressive episode Mm. and suicidal episode. And I had to actually move out of home for a little bit because the environment Mm. was just unbearable. I was even too anxious to actually leave my bedroom to go to the bathroom because I could not breathe without being told how much better my cousins were doing. I could not leave without being told how great this auntie's daughter is thriving in their law degree or in their doctor degree and how proud they are making their parents. And all I have done is embarrassed my parents. Mm. And that must have been really, that sounds really difficult as well, especially when you are being compared to some of those typical degrees. You know, you're doing film and production and that's really inspiring for us to hear as well. And the fact that you did drop out is just a story in itself. That's just amazing that you're brave enough to do that. And I guess Mm -hmm. in today's world, what are some of the solutions you think we could suggest to our parents of how to deal with this now and how us young people can get that out to our parents? So one of the key things our parents need is an open communication system where it's a safe space for their children to be able to communicate with them honestly and openly without fearing, you know, like physical abuse. Because in some cases, some parents will actually beat you up or emotional abuse. And I feel like therapy is a great place for this family therapy unfortunately therapy is not very affordable or accessible to many families Mm. and some therapists if they're not ethnic therapists they do not understand the nuances that surround the whole dynamic because our parents do need to be understood their perspective needs to be understood as to why certain decisions are so valuable to them for their children Mm. to do Our parents need to feel like they're being heard and their children need to feel like they're being heard in a space that welcomes both ideas to meet for a very healthy solution in the middle. So I feel like therapy is a really, really great place to start affordable therapy. So so it's almost like therapy is a great way to, you know, provide the open space for you as a young person, but for also, the you know, to understand your family's views, isn't it? Because it's never nice for any of us to be compared to someone else, but we all go through our difficult journeys and that could be one way but also mm-hmm. um do you think it's more about even educating our parents of how today's world is changing there's things like apprenticeships and other job training that you can do university isn't just the only way so what other things do you think could help yes i feel like a lot of education needs to be done when it comes mm-hmm. to alternative career paths and also just building a better relationship with your children. You know how we have workshops for practically everything nowadays? I feel like our parents need a workshop. I feel like ethnic parents, I know it feels like I'm singling them out, but that's what I have experience with. They need workshops on how to deal with, for example, a child that has anxiety. So I deal with anxiety. I've always had that. Right. They need workshops on how to deal with your child if they're in a depressive episode. We They need workshops on how to deal with bad news from your kids, for example. Mm-hmm. So I feel like our parents, like how you have mommy groups for everything else, There Mm -hmm. needs to be some sort of community, a workshop, a mommy group or parents that your kids dropped out of uni group or something (laughs) to help them (laughs) process the information so that they don't just release the anger on us. 
and there might actually be Facebook groups and communities out there because a lot of parents struggle with it, but it is about educating our parents. It's about finding some of these solutions. A possible one could be therapy as well. And those are just some thoughts to put out there. Yes. So those are the main two things that we could do here. And you've also mentioned um, you travel quite a lot, don't you? You travel by yourself. I mean, that must have also been a shock, right? How how has that been? So my traveling, my solo traveling started after I came out of my suicidal episode. I realized that my social skills were down the drain and I actually developed a very high social anxiety where if I was in a space with other people that are not very close to me, I would literally cry and have a panic attack and I have to go home. So I decided in 2019 that this cannot be my life. (laughs) I Mm. need to enjoy life. So I packed up and I started traveling alone and it has been great. (laughs) All alone. (laughs) Just be myself and I. Well, it's funny you said that as well, because actually I travel solo as well, but I started first at 21. So that was sort of similar to why I started traveling as well. Amazing. At the, at the beginning, it was very, it resonates really well with, with your story that I did go to university for um, to study business and management. And then again, I just I just felt the pressure from family that I need to finish this because one, I have to go home. I've already moved out and I'm I'm living my life independently with freedom. And then two, also, if I go home and tell them I'm dropping out, Indian parents do not react very well. A, no. a, it will be very similar to what you've done. And then actually after that is where I started traveling. And I did my first trip to California Ooh, by myself nice. for three weeks. And that was the biggest challenge because it meant I'd have to get on an 11-hour flight and go to California by myself. I mean, I'm okay with directions, but imagine you get on the wrong plane. What happens next? <laughs> you find yourself in a new city right? that you explore. <laughs> but these are all the thoughts that were running through my head like when I first started traveling. And I guess from that, that's where I started using social media in a different way and a positive way. So mm-hmm. at the beginning, when I got to California, like I had planned the trip. So I had a couple days first by myself to leave that as a challenge Uh and I did have anxiety back then as well and that's when it really first started for me where I couldn't go into big spaces with a lot of people as well and that's what kind of felt more difficult getting on a wrong plane was the least of my worries it was more on being in a space with people I don't know and actually how to deal with that but I started posting pictures on social media of my holiday more for myself to say look I'm having a great time I just want to share these memories and be able to look back at them and then just enjoy that year on year. Mm -hmm. So this is just one way of how actually using social media in that positive way helped me reduce my anxiety because this really just helped me become more confident as my trip went on. So that full three weeks, it didn't feel as tough after, I guess, the first and second week because it just got better and better. And you know when you're just flicking through your Instagram thinking, wow, I've been to a lot of places now. (laughs) I've ticked off a lot of goals on the bucket list. That's amazing. Did you feel like you started comparing yourself to other people? Because when people travel, they take some of the most insane pictures and they do the most insane (laughs) things. Did you find yourself start comparing yourself to other travelers maybe on social media? At the beginning, yes. Before I started posting, I just thought, oh no, 
I need that amazing Instagram picture standing on the edge of like a cliff or <laughs> like I went to the Grand Canyon and I was thinking, okay, I'm not going to be one of those Instagrammers that stands on the edge. I'm going to sit down, but I still want the picture because actually when I sat down for the first time on the edge of the canyon, I just felt so free. There's no way to say it. It's just all your worries go away. There's there's no stress. There's nothing to think about. You're on holiday. I was by myself because someone else takes the photo and all I'm looking at is a beautiful Grand Canyon and a landscape. That's and that was amazing. the best feeling. That's yeah. amazing. Because so. for me on my solo travels, I mostly do more rejuvenating travels where it's right. a lot of self-reflection for me and beaches so beaches means bikini pictures and for me that was where the comparison came in with social media so I noticed that when I traveled I became very self-conscious about posting my bikini pictures one because I know that my family will start comparing me again mm. to other people's children who do not post pictures of themselves naked because apparently if you're in a bikini you're naked as soon as as soon as I have short sleeves like a vest my mum my mum gets a bit emotional that um your dad can't see this I'm like that's not even full bikini picture or anything right and a lot of us do go through that yeah. and there's a big irony in it because mm -hmm. we're just trying to be ourselves we're and just trying to be ourselves it's a big issue it's a big issue it's a big there. issue you know it, it it does a lot to our mental health as well and through your travels, do you think it has affected you with the anxiety or any, any, anything else? So traveling itself, it's been a very beautiful mind reset for me and clarity mm. for me, because like I say, I'm usually just in my own bubble, in my own headspace. But when it comes to like sharing images, I'm smiling when you said, oh, you were sharing pictures and stuff like mm. that, because... I am usually on the beaches when I travel. That means that most of my pictures are in bikinis, but I can't share them as freely because sure. before I blocked all of my family members on social media, I would actually have like my in-laws inboxing my parents or my sister talking about how I am naked on social media again <laughs> for the go. 15th time in a week. <laughs> and I am embarrassing the family by sharing mm. everything. I am not going to be worthy of marriage. First of all, who wants to get married? <laughs> Stop I mean, projecting. <laughs> yeah. So that aspect hindered my travel experience. And mm. also even just sharing my own pictures of myself on social media the pictures you see of girls that are traveling on social media, they all have these amazing bodies. And here I am just my normal buddy in a bikini that's not the Instagram buddy. I don't have the perfect angles. I don't have the perfect background. I don't have the perfect breakfast spread. It's just me having a good time. So that comparison... I internalized some of that, mm -hmm. especially because I was not confident in myself after being compared from my family at home. But when I went into myself during my travels and just reflect, eventually I stopped caring about everybody like yeah. everyone and, else. <laughs> and that was the turning point, right? As soon as you you can let it go and as soon as you reach that point, it's like, okay, we just click post and who cares who sees it now, right? It does get to the point where you eventually become more confident in yourself and mm. you build this confidence without comparing yourself to everyone else. But when you don't have a supportive structure and system outside of you, it takes a lot of internal work and no one has to be broken before they find themselves. And that was the transformation I had to go through. I had to be completely broken and hate myself before yeah. I could look into the mirror and feel like I am achieving things at a pace that I want to achieve them. And mm -hmm. I am 
really doing great in life. I am existing just as I should. Yeah, and it really just, a lot of these comparisons do, they they change the way you think. And when we talk about travel, you know, both of our faces are lighting up. We start smiling straight away because it's an experience that's given us that confidence to get through that tough time. And the only thing we're really doing is we're living our best life and we're enjoying it. If we choose to share it on social media, that's more just for us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of people that do just compare your travel picture to their friends and say mm-hmm. oh my gosh this person was in Bali last year did you see mm-hmm. that oh and now they're in you know Malaysia or something mm-hmm. but that's not what it's about it's more just you know we definitely agree on this point that we we need to post more for us and if you do choose to you don't need to compare yourself to others you know do it for yourself and do it because you're finding that fun and the happiness in it mm-hmm. absolutely it's just yeah I always say that posting for me it's that I appreciate what I'm seeing so I feel like everybody else needs to get a dose of it now if you don't appreciate it that seems like your own personal problem and I don't have to worry about that that's how I see posting and it does take some time to get to this point which is why I feel like people need supportive structures to be able to be Mm. more confident in themselves and how they use social media and also with their families And one of the key things, like a key takeaway is that, you know, that road to success can be really lonely. So whether it's posting on social media and getting your confidence up, but learning to not care about what others do think about you, that is going to be the longest journey. But at some point we all need to do this. So, you know, just live your best life. (laughs) True. So next up, I'm here with Demarke, podcast producer and editor. How's it going? Hey, Sneha. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. So tell me a little bit about West Indian culture and how it compares to other cultures. Uh, West Indian culture um, is made up of different islands within the Caribbean. So Trinidad, Jamaica, Barbados, Grenada, St. Lucia. We are a very open community and we support each other. Um, let's say if you go to Jamaica... Chances are you'll find someone who's Bayesian there or Grenadian or Trinidadian and vice versa in St. Lucia in Grenada. So when it comes to celebrating our culture and coming together, we are very, very supportive of each other. And in terms of other cultures, I've noticed that within Caribbean culture, we don't tend to compare each other to one another. So I know within the African and Asian communities, there's a lot of, oh, my son is in university, he's studying a law degree and my daughter's doing mm-hmm. this and then you've got that one kid who isn't at university and the parents are constantly hounding them. But within the West Indian culture, you don't get that. West Indian parents are very supportive of their children. So let's say a daughter wants to be, let's say, something creative. A mum will be like, okay, that, that, that's nice, but have a backup plan. They won't <laughs> do it in a such a negative, no, you're not right. doing that, you know you're not doing that. They, they support them, but they always want you to have a, have a backup plan. How does that make you feel when you do hear, so so what's your next project? You know, creative may not be enough. Well, for me, it's, it's never been like that because I've always had a job. I've always, mm. had, always had something to do. So mom mom hasn't been like, oh, Demarco, what's next? Like, it's like, cool, I've got this job now and I'm in that job for a long period of time. So I don't have that thing where I'm moving from project to project. I'm always in one thing. That's That's really great to hear. And with social media as well, do you find that affects the way you are compared with other cultures? There is a lot of comparison, let's say, 
on TikTok and Instagram, you'll often get this whole African versus Caribbean thing. And I don't know where it stemmed from, but it's very, very annoying. Because I'm like, <laughs> okay, cool. We're all one people. People from the Caribbean come from Africa. So why is this, this always this, this whole war? So, so for example, let's say you'll get someone who's Nigerian saying, oh, Jamaicans are this, Jamaicans are that. Then in the comment section, you'll get the whole of the Caribbean come together as one. Like, no, that's not right. You can't say that. Then you've got, it's just a whole lot of nonsense in the comment section. I'm like, why is this happening? This doesn't need to happen. Like, we're all one people. We all need to come together because at the end of the day, someone who's not Caribbean or African from the outside, I think they're all the same. But to us, we know we're not the same, but on the outside, we're all the same to one person. So let's just, you know, cool it off and just, you know, be harmonious. Yeah, and that's beautiful. Like it's it's more about that equality aspect, you know, not not sort of defining which which culture is better or which one is different in another way. Because in some respect, we all have our similarities. Would you say during school, um, you did feel compared to when you're around lots of different people? You've got the British person, then you've got the African person, the Indian one, and just you've got all these cultures around you. And does it affect you amongst your peers? Not at all, because in high school, often. Let's say you went to primary school and then at least like 10% of that class will go to the same high school as you. So you've got that click before or you guys have known each other since you were younger. Then you've got people from different schools come together in, into one high school. So chances are you already know that person. And so growing up in the early 2000s, everyone was very like, was very diverse and supportive, different, different ethnicities. But nowadays that's different. People are rude to each other. Like, oh, you've got the African kid, you've got the guy from Somalia. Like what, what tended to happen in in high school and primary school was people would often pick on the Somalian kid because, oh, his, his name is Muhammad or something. Or his name is Ahmed. Like, like, oh yeah, they've got the same name. Da, 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 da. I'm like, <laughs> so what? Right. Like, what, what, what does, like, what's the, what's the point of that? So, in that respect, yes, but because everyone knew each other already and schools are really diverse, you've got white kids, black kids, Asian kids. There was no, there was like little, little comments here and there, like little funny comments here and there, but nothing like extreme racist or you would get that one kid who was really racist, but we wouldn't really take notice of him. But in terms of that, no, everyone was very, very mm. um, supportive of each other and um, welcoming, yeah. Yeah, and that's that's really great as well. It's you know, social media is just so important in our lives that these days, you know, someone is scrolling through Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, or just some form of it. So we there is a lot for us. There's a lot for us to consider when when we are talking to our friends as well, because something might just go up on social media that you don't want to. But it's it's good to hear you've had a positive experience from it. And currently, as you have been applying for jobs, we've heard that you've just recently got your dream job. Would you say it has affected you? No, <laughs> no. Um, it, it's just normal to me. It's just, it's yeah. just. I just That's good. if I get something, it's just, it's just normal. I'm like, oh mm. yeah, wonderful. Like obviously, if it was my first job, like oh my god, it's amazing. But because mm-hmm. I've been doing it for five years now, yeah, it's just like it's just a continued progression. So mm. yeah. And before you did become a podcast producer, what was it that you're doing just before? I was in radio. So I was in student radio, then did stuff in commercial radio, stuff for BBC radio. So I've done quite quite a fair bit in the industry. Yeah. Mm. So that's a, that's a great journey for us to hear about.
So I'm here with my next guest, athlete and architectural designer, David. How's it going, David? Hello, hello, hello. Yeah, it's going well, actually. How are you? I'm doing good as well. And I wanted to talk a bit about the repercussions of social media. And what's your thoughts on this topic? I think initially I begin by like breaking down what social media is and like its benefits or its pros and cons. And I think sometimes we kind of say social media is bad or social media is good. But in my perspective, I see social media as just being a tool and how we go about, um, I guess, using it is basically what it can be bad and what can be good. So it's our influence on this tool that decides whether or not it's good or bad, whether or not it's beneficial, whether or not it's productive. What would you say is like a productive way to use social media? Because obviously a lot of it is just full of video content. But when you look at Instagram, it's pictures, you know, it's people posting kind of what they're doing. But what what does productive mean for you? What would you do on that? Yeah, I think it's interesting you said productive for me. I think my first initial understanding or my answer would have been I, I can't decide what productive is universally but for yeah. me I think there's a level of understanding that there's a responsibility with what I share because it's such an open for, forum and just recognizing like the parameters of this platform and how far reaching it can go so I think productiveness of it for me at the moment is just being able to see how you yes to display my lifestyle display the work that I do but also break down the steps of how I did it and build up that level of transparency and kind of roadmap for people who have also t- taken similar steps but are trying to find their way yeah and then is there something different you have done in this last year where a lot of the use of Instagram Facebook and TikTok has largely increased like have you actually started using these more or have you done something different that um for previous years yeah, sure. I think I took some time out to kind of really think about what I could do with this platform. And I guess last year, obviously, the pandemic being so fresh, um, it was this idea of like, what what can we do? What can we create? And I remember a few of our friends, we had to discuss and brainstorm. And I ended up pitching this kind of project where I was like, what does it look like when we bring together people from different sectors economists, graphic designers, architects, journalists, etc. What happens when we bring all these people together to address an issue? What could come from it? And so in the end, it became like a digital school where we set out a brief, got tutors, mentors, students from across the world to be able to work together from different kind of like sectors, collaborating to address that issue. And I think what was important about it too was that it allowed for space for people to be able to engage in something, especially like a school because yeah. they were out, out of it for such such a long period of time, especially with students in Southeast Asia um, and Middle East. The fact that, again, being able to kind of use that idle time for better things and also within the UK too. Wow, that's, that's amazing. That's a really different concept, but it's really forefront as well. You know, it's been, it's been really difficult this last year for a lot of people. So it's great to hear, great to hear more about the digital school and what you have set up. And then with the rapid change in with all these platforms and just some mentalities, did you find you were actually on your device quite a lot? Or, you know, did the pandemic actually help to more ease you away from these things? Yeah, I mean, I think, again, being very conscious of what I was doing with my time. And funnily enough, even though I did mention working on a project that was quite digitally focused, I became more removed from social media or more removed from online um, activities. Funnily enough, just doing, spending more time with family, doing loads of walks, <laughs> a lot of walks um, with my mother. And 
just that great experience of being able to kind of learn about your parents before they were parents and definitely just learning the stories of my mother which were very very interesting but just recognizing yeah that even I know us youngins say YOLO but um, yeah there was YOLO back then too people taking risks and recognizing my mother was a very big risk taker. That's that's really heartwarming to hear you know that's that does remind me that actually yeah my dad's even had a chance to take that step back so he does like going walking as well but he would never say this before this this kind of lockdown happened he's kind of forced to spend the time at home so yeah similarly we've gone on a few walks I mean not probably not as many as you may have but you know we've done two or three which have been really nice actually to get to know him as well just just see what sort of things he was doing back when he was a kid like he does like playing a bit of sports as well which he he hadn't really done for so many years now and then do you find sometimes though like social media can be so in your face it's it's just always there isn't it no matter what device you're on and even through advertising you know the new food that is out it says follow us on social media or post about it do you find there's a lot of comparison on young people uh, I think I'll break that into like two parts. So yeah, there is a presence that social media is having or like a lot more brands, a lot more organisations are making channels of influence through social media. Is there a lot of comparison from it? I guess there is. I think there is a level of competition through comparison or comparison through competition. But this, those, those kind of two things being quite like necessary for each other. So yeah, at this current moment in time, I'm definitely seeing loads of comparisons being made, whether it be positive or negative. That's that's the question that needs to be asked the most, I think, is, is recognising how do we keep the balanced perspective when we are comparing? How do we keep keep our comparisons healthy, basically? So as a young person, do you find sometimes that you are compared to social media quite a lot? Like, is it do you see it as quite positive or negative? I'm not taking out of context as much because I don't really put st- that much stuff out there from like my account like or myself but I can definitely see how people have um I can definitely see how people can especially young people I can definitely I know that I compare like I can scroll through the explore page on Instagram and see people who either I admire or goals that I'm trying to meet that people have already met I'm like oh okay this is cool how do they do that? Or like, oh, snap, like they've done that way quicker than I have. And it's like, it's just being able to kind of always ground yourself after that conversation you have with that comparison where being able to kind of say, hey, you're on your own path. You're on your own journey. Don't have a career clock. It's not by the time you're 25 or by the time you're 30 or by the time you're that you have to do this. It's like you are on your own road. So however much you may look to the left and right and say, oh, snap, like they're doing a really good job. Cool, they are they're on their own road and like you are still committed to your path you are still doing a good job it just comes out in different ways although social media is there for us to post about ourselves as well like just remember that it's not always about comparing yourself um to what someone else looks like you know it's about being more content with who you are and using it as a productive tool is also another way you can start your own projects your own brand on social media it's not just about you know, almost showing off what you're doing for others. As long as yeah. you're doing that for yourself and as long as you're passionate about it, it's, there's nothing wrong with it. And just not to really get caught up in this. And the lockdown has really helped us just realise that 
is more there to learn things. I guess I'd say more on the personal side, just remain grounded in you. Like yeah. be, be grounded in who you are before you kind of go out there. Allow yourself to be able to know who you are more because if you don't, there's a lot of people we can see who are ready to tell you who you are, ready to put you in a box that they've created. And so, yeah, is that, is that level of really being able to stand your ground and be confident on the path you're on? Because if you're not, it becomes like a river where it's like literally everyone's point of views are going to be coming and you can't please everyone and you shouldn't please everyone. Overall, we all get compared to social media in different ways, but as we've heard, there's many positive outcomes too, such as being able to express yourself when traveling, sharing your talent, or even building a digital school like David. Thank you to David, Sanusia, and Demarke for sharing their experiences during this podcast, and Bimbola and Amelia for helping to put this podcast together. I've been your host, Sneha, and thanks for listening. This is Burn in the Village.